Welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I am your host, Ren Robbins, and I'm excited that you're here. This is the place where you will feel encouraged as I share my friends' God stories with you. Whether you are on your commute to work, folding the laundry, or taking me along with you on your walk, I pray that you will feel seen by God and will be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents that He has given you. Today's guest is wife, spiritual mother, best-selling author, and inspiring motivator, Deborah Pagay. Deborah is a certified public accountant with a bachelor's degree in accounting from the University of North Texas and an MBA degree in finance from the University of Southern California. Deborah is also a certified behavioral consultant. She is in great demand to share her expertise in resolving interpersonal conflicts through effective confrontations. She has conducted transformational training in secular and non-secular organizations on achieving organizational unity. Her advice has appeared in Essence Magazine, Charisma, Redbook, and other national publications. Respected community leaders have praised Deborah for her excellence, forthrightness, and integrity. She and her husband, Darnell Pagay, have been happily married for over 40 years. They reside in California and have many spiritual children. I am so thrilled to introduce you to Deborah today. She is an incredible, motivating speaker, and she is going to give us some insight into her story, and I just love her so much. So here we go. Here is my conversation with Deborah Pagay. Welcome to the podcast, Deborah. Oh, Ren, I'm so excited to be here with you. I really am. This is great. I am such a fan of you, and I'm so excited because we have been in email conversation for the past couple months, and I first heard of you when my mom sent me a podcast episode that you had done with Focus on the Family years ago. Oh, wow. wow. And she was like, you've got to listen to Deborah, <laughs> her new BFF. <laughs> and, uh, and I tuned in and I bought your books and I love, I bought your book 30 days to taming your tongue and just underlined it, dog eared it, all of it. You know, I wrote it for myself. I have to tell you that, <laughs> it's, you know, it's a fast, it's a 30 day fast from negativity. And so I had told something I shouldn't have told it. I called it the accidental book, but we know there's nothing accidental in our lives so it was providential <laughs> that's right absolutely well and the funny thing is I have to tell you a funny story real quick I bought this one and then I saw in my church's library back when we were all you know congregating and going to libraries and such um there was one that you wrote for kids for children yes yes came in and, your child's tongue yeah yes and I grabbed it and I forgot that it was a library book and girl I underlined so much of there. I was like, uh-oh, whoops. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, maybe they needed that underlined for them, right? And I was like, oops, library book. Anyway, it's so good. So those are great. 
great, great resources. But anyway, I'm such a fan of you and I wanted you to come on and share your story with my listeners. And we're going to talk about bridging the racial divide that we have seen in our country lately. And um, it's been going on. And um, so I'm just so excited that you're here with me today. Well, let's get at it. (laughs) All right, let's do it. Well, before we start, I want you to introduce yourself to my listeners, your family, your husband, and what you do on a day-to-day basis. All right. I'm, uh, I've been married 41 years to a wonderful man. I, I grew up in Texas. Uh, so I've, I've been in California. I live in California, now Southern California. I've been here about as many years, more than 40 years. I just turned 70 and I'm so excited because I have, I have more energy than a 45-year-old. <laughs> I bet. But I work at I, uh, I work at home. I've been working at home for the last fifteen years. I quit my I say my real job and decided to go out and write and speak uh, full time. So I've written eighteen books, and um, and I have I'm the matriarch of a huge family and have no children. Can you figure that one out? I have no children, but I tell you, it's, it's a it's sometimes it's a fun job and sometimes I just wish we were all in heaven. Mm, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. So. That's pretty much me. And on a day-to-day basis, I, I write, I do podcasts. I, uh, I'm a CPA by training, so I, do, I have a few clients and I just try to get it all done. <laughs> well, you are amazing. I was reading your bio before we got on and I, maybe I shouldn't have because I'm super intimidated and uh, just amazed at all the things that you have accomplished and that you do. But, um, and I read that you have a lot of spiritual children. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love it. They, they're just so rewarding. So rewarding mm-hmm. to see people's lives change and people get on track and just zoom. Some, some of them are even zooming past me almost. Uh, <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Well, let's, let's dive into your story. Tell me what it was like growing up in East Texas uh, as it was, it was segregated. And, mm-hmm. and tell me what it was like at that point growing up as a child and then uh, as the Civil Rights Act was passed when you were in middle and high school and how, what the difference was. Well, uh, when growing up, uh, being separate or with facilities and everything being separated, I I think one of the most lasting memories in my mind was a sign they had in the local bus station, which was really like the center of activity. And it said, colors this way. (laughs) Uh, That that was the sign to the restroom. But you know what? I don't don't think we even thought about it. It was just the way of life. And so we didn't think about it too much Uh, in my town. There was no violence or anything like that around racial issues. But then in 1964, when they passed the Civil Rights Act, I was 14 years old and it changed everything because all of a sudden my dad didn't have to go to the back of the, 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 I won't call the name of the place, but any place to order his food or when you were ordering ice cream cones or hamburgers, you, you couldn't order in the front. You had to go to the back. And uh, then there were at the uh, soda fountain, we call them soda fountain counters. They had uh, coloreds, couldn't uh, sit there. And I remember once, I have to tell you this story because we have cousins who came from the East Coast and they came and one of them didn't know any better. And he sat at the counter and the lady rushed over to him and she said, no, you can't sit there. And he says, why? Is the seat broken? <laughs> so you can get us all killed, get out of here. But it was kind of funny. Wow. Uh, and, and you know, I do have to laugh about it. And when I say laugh about it, it's no laughing matter. But mm. I think a sense of humor has got to be somewhere else. You're just going to go crazy and be hopeless. Mm. So I'm not that person. Mm. I have to tell you though, but I learned early on that everything works together for my good. And I know we'll talk about that at some point, but that has been kind of a, a battle cry of mine. I started learning scriptures at about 
seventh grade. And uh, so I have some principles that I've lived by that really shielded me from a lot of the pain of, of the discrimination and all of that. But so I went to college. It was the first time uh, they had never, at the time I entered, they had never graduated a black person in accounting, but they had a great accounting school. So I went there and uh, did well. Um, and just a lot of different things happened, but God has been good. He's been gracious to me. I don't have a lot of complaints. I don't like what I see. I never have liked what I've seen, but I'm not angry to the point that I am not productive. So that, that's mm. where I am. Yeah. Well, and I love how you brought scripture memory up into that because I, every time I hear you on a podcast or speaking or something, I always hear you quote scripture. And I think that is so important. Well, I, and I'm unapologetically, I say a scripture girl, even when I do something secular or even as I start a new book, I'll say, now, listen, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a scripture girl. So if that turns you off, put the book back right now. <laughs> so put it down. <laughs> I just love that about you. I think that's great. We need to take some advice about that for sure. Um, okay. And I heard a part of your story when you were in college and how there was an English professor and you were. Uh, going to be getting a, he had one or she had one A to give out. And so, I mean, what is that, right? <laughs> one A. <That's> craziness. <laughs> right. So there was one A to give out and it was between you and someone else. Yeah, and yeah. needless to say, you got the B. I did, but I thought it was so funny when he called me in um, and he said, now listen, you and Miss Patmore have tied for the A in the class and you're going to have to be re-examined. And we'll see which of you will get the A. And I'm thinking, the A? <laughs> what do you have that one? And right. uh, so I did get the B. But you know what? Even in that, I knew somehow in the scheme of things, ultimately that would work out. I, I felt like that gave me my start to be a writer. Because after that, I said, there will never be another opportunity for somebody to make more than I'm going to make on an English exam. So I studied English books for like pastime. You know, it's like people wow. read novels. I read grammar rules. Make my husband crazy. And so... <laughs> <laughs> to this day, I'm like, somebody says, oh, he took my wife and I to lunch. I'm like, no, no, it's me. It's me, not <laughs> I. It's <laughs> awesome. But wow. at any rate, but see, I didn't know that 20, uh, 25 years later, I'd be a writer. And my publisher lets me turn in stuff at the last minute, past the deadline, because they say, well, the manuscript comes in pretty clean. <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. So you see, there's, there's something positive in that. <laughs> that is neat. Well, and I love how you mentioned that because I read your motto on your website that is everything works together for my good. I'm never a victim. Never. Wow. You, you know, Ren, if we don't embrace that as Christians, that comes from Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know, not we understand or we see, but we know that everything works together for good, for those who love God. Called according to his purpose, I have seen every discrimination, every act of whatever. I just say, okay, there's a stepping stone here. And can I tell you a quick story about something mm -hmm. like that? Because yesterday I did a radio show. And we, were, we had a comedian there. But I, re I had read a story about a, a couple who had twins and they were so polar opposites. They took them to the psychiatrist and the one was negative and one was just really a, a positive guy. So they took the little pessimist to a room and they said, hey, look, it's full of toys. And he looked at it and he started to cry. And he said, I'll probably just break them all. Well, they took the optimist to another room and it was filled up with manure, horse manure. This is a terrible example, but it's so good. <laughs> and mm. so he immediately dove into the room and just started digging through all the stuff. And they said, wait, 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 what are you doing? He said, with all the manure in here, there's got to be a pony under here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> there's got to, listen, I'm always looking wow. for the pony. 
mm. through, all, through all the stuff, the crap, I, I keep thinking, there's a pony under here. And so what I feel that the discrimination has done, I hated it, but it has made me strive for excellence. Uh, it's, it's made me tough. So I'm not saying I thank God for it, but he used it. And so mm. that's, that's where I am. That's why I'm optimistic. I am just like, I still have joy. That's, that's, mm. my, that's my other theme that I use when things are going really bad or a lot of stuff is coming at me. I start singing. I still have joy of all the things I've been through. I still have joy. And I just learned that if you, there's a, 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 a mechanism in your inner ear, it's called the saculus. And when you sing, it, it helps you build up endorphins. That's those happy chemicals. I said, well, did you know that? It's called saculus, folks. S-A-C-C-U-L-U-S. Okay. <laughs> when you sing, it makes you happy. <laughs> wow. I never knew that. That is huge. Yeah. But it, it's true, though. It really is. I, I think we need to hear that so much right now in everything, you know, with families that are making decisions about school for their kids, you know, all going out in the community with the mask and all the social injustice, all of it. We have got to hold on to Jesus and, and have that joy. Absolutely. Yes, we and we need to be an example to others because this is our finest hours. Christians, we got to show the world how to go through this stuff so that, mm. so that when they go through it, they'll know there's a God in heaven. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, and also it kind of goes along with that verse in Genesis 50 that you circle back to occasionally when you're talking about this, about when Joseph has been mistreated by his brothers. And, um, and, and it says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for my good. Yes, I love that. And that's my favorite story. That's Genesis 50 and 19. I love it. He said, so don't worry about it. He said, I'm, and, and the Bible says he spoke kindly to them. Mm -hmm. I'm, you see, Irene, that has been one of my biggest areas of weakness is forgiveness. And I wrote a book on it. You know, we write about stuff we need to hear about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or we podcast about things we need to podcast about, right? <laughs> we need, so, need to hear. Yeah, you know, you get healed. I learned how to forgive through writing that forgiveness book. But mm -hmm. listen, we have to learn that it's, first of all, it takes supernatural intervention. You can't just grit your teeth and count to 10 and say, okay, I'm going to forgive. You got to say, God, you got to help me. Just come in and help me. And that's what he's done. I have no bitterness towards anybody for any reason. I have lots of multicultural friends. I love them. We have the greatest time. And I just decided I'm not going to be stuck with that. And I'm just not going to be stuck with unforgiveness. I'm, and I'm going to watch how I tell my story so that it doesn't engender hate in people who hear it, uh, people who look like me, who will say, that's a shame they did that to you. It's like, no, there was something in it. I grew from it. I'm who I am today because of it. Yeah. Mm, wow. That's amazing. Incredible. Well, in a recent interview, you said unity is going to come when we understand each other. And so what are some ways we can understand others that either look, look different than we do or believe different than we do or are different than, than we are? Well, you know what I find, and, and just, and I'm always interviewing people and observing things, people who don't have a lot of friends who don't look like them, they have a different attitude and mindset. People who do, it, it, it doesn't seem as bad because we put down the broad brush. And that's what first thing we got to do is just say, listen, everybody's not like that. You know, I think what we see a lot of times is an anomaly. I'm not saying that either way, but everybody, all whites aren't prejudiced. All blacks aren't angry. Um, we, 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 let me just explain this. Anger is an emotion of protest. So we are protesting the treatment, but we don't hate white people. All blacks aren't violent. <laughs> So I think as we began to really get to know each other, and this has to start, Ren, on an individual basis, it really does, 
Like once you get to know me and I get to know you and, and we, we hear each other's stories, we hear your desires and we find out we got a lot more in common than, mm. than the differences. But we do have to realize, and I always say this, I, I wrote an article and it's a checklist, 10 ways that whites can bridge the racial divide, 10 ways that blacks. And the one thing I say to whites is realize your, uh, you have to realize that you have, may have some unconscious biases that may have been handed down. You didn't realize it was a bias. It's just, you know, it's just back there. And when you come to the forefront and say, search me, oh God, show me, show me my unconscious biases as well. Show me my conscious biases. And then to, and to move from that. I don't want white people getting stuck in a guilt. You know, I, I was on something recently and I said, raise your hands if you owned a slave. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> nobody, nobody done it. So listen, so you're not to be apologizing for the acts of your forefathers, but you can help us out. You can become an ally, not just to say, I don't agree with that, but just become proactive and say, I am anti-racism. You know, those, so those things are important, but there, I have a whole list. They can get them at my website. They want to see, I download the list, but it's really revealing and was straight from God himself, just straight from God himself. Well, and that's perfect. I've downloaded it. I've printed it and it is an incredible list. So could you share how we can bridge the racial divide and okay. go through a few of those on each of, um, of those lists that you created? It's an amazing resource and I'll put it for sure in the show notes, but could you share a few with those sure, with I'm us? Gonna, I'll do a few. Um, let me just, I'm going to run through just a, a, a few. First of all, realize your, your conscious biases, recognize the advantage. This is for the whites people, um, recognize the advantages that you have uh, being born white. I, and I want to make this word clear. You'll hear a lot about white privilege. And I know that that's kind of offensive, really, because it implies that white people didn't work for they, what they have and they, everything was handed to them. But that's not what we mean when we say there's white privilege. We really should change that word to advantage because there really is an advantage to being born white. But that doesn't mean you didn't work hard. But we need you to recognize that there is and you, you'd have to walk a day in black skin to know what a test it has been just being a person of color. And you can't hide behind it. You can't. It's not as if you are another ethnicity and you can hide it, you know, maybe if you or whatever. Scandinavian mm -hmm. or something, mm -hmm. you know, you can hide it. But you also have to respect black people's pain. Mm -hmm. Don't say, well, why are they still talking about it? Get over it. Slavery, slavery is over. No, no, no. The injustices continue. So if I have a wound and you keep stabbing me in it, I'm never going to get over it because you won't let me heal. Everything around me, around me reminds me that I'm different uh, and that I'm, I'm rejected. So, uh, and then I say, repent for the times that you have maybe discriminate against somebody and just go forward. Listen, I don't believe in anybody getting stuck in guilt. I, God forgives everybody for everything. So it's, it's time to do that. But if I look at the list for black people, uh, I say refuse to be stuck in the pain of your past and present injustices. Don't get stuck. So many people are stuck now. They can't see white people as anything but evil. I have people in my family like that, you know, and they will actually, some of them will actually put you down. Like if you are trying to say, you know, that person's not like that. All people aren't like that. Uh-uh, it's like, oh, now you've been, you've been whitewashed. <laughs> mm. So that's not true. But also uh, resist the temptation to paint all whites as, as you've been discriminatory. And here's one I really like on this list. I say, um, reignite your hope for a better future. We got to always know that somewhere God is working things out. And so we have to have a hope for the future. And let me just back up and say one more that I put on here uh, is that reassess your strategy for interacting with the white culture. What does that mean? Reassess your strategy. You got to be multicultural. Listen, black people make up 14% of the population. 
of the United States. We need majority support if we're gonna get anything done. And I ask people to remind yourself of maybe some favor somebody did for you, they didn't look like you, because I can tell you when most, some of the most significant times in my life have happened as a result of white people giving me favor. You know, and it wasn't because I didn't earn it or, or whatever, it's just that they open that door and say, hey, go here. I'm, I'm speaking in venues I never thought I'd speak in because somebody who had influence in that culture said, hey, have her come on. So, you know, that's my story. What an incredible list. And I will definitely put that in the show notes to go to your website so we can get that amazing download. Well, this is, it's gone by so quickly and I want to uh, have you share with us where we can find you online and what is next for Deborah. Well, I'm at confrontingissues.com, confrontingissueswithiness.com. And what's next for me, I'm so excited. My 18th book is about to be released. It's called Lead Like a Woman. And in this mm. book, I'm, te I'm teaching women how to uh, really advance that ball down the court. We don't have to lead like men. God has given us 12 traits that cause us to excel in leadership, including being cooperative and nurturing, all those things women bring to the table. But we also have 12 tendencies that sabotage our progress. So I kind of give you a spanking about those and tell you how to get beyond them. <laughs> I love that. That sounds like an incredible yeah. book. When yeah, is that coming out? It's coming out August, August 11th, Lead Like a Woman. That so, looks yeah. so good. So oh, good. I, I'm so excited. about. And, and Ren, this is the first book I'm coming out and letting people know I'm black. I've never put my, book, my face on any picture I've ever written, on any book I've ever written. So here I am. I love it. Great this picture is, too. It's, it's a, it's a first. I'm kind of, I was kind of was ner nervous about it, but I said, you know, because of the discrimination thing, I said, don't put my picture on it. So we've mm -hmm. sold a million books. That's what I said to my publisher 10 years ago. We've mm -hmm. sold over 2 million and God is just doing his thing. Mm. He's doing his thing. I'm so grateful to him. That's great. Great. Yeah. Great. Now, where can we get your book? Uh, any place, Amazon, you can pre-order. And if you pre-order, you're going to get a free download of the audio version. How about that? Ooh. So that's not, that's not ready yet, but it will be. So Okay. That sounds yeah. great because audio yeah. is my jam, obviously. <laughs> so yeah. I will definitely do that for sure. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Okay. So my last questions at the end of each interview are my eat, read, love segment. <laughs> and it's just fun for us to get to know you better. So what are you eating? Uh, what are you reading and what are you loving? I'm eating everything I can find. No, I'm eating <laughs> chips. No, I, I like Mexican chips. I just think the one of the biggest contribution to our culture is, mm. is Mexican food. So I'm, yes. I like those little corn, corn tortillas. Okay. Love, what are you reading? Oh, I just finished reading a book called The Choice about a woman who survived the Holocaust. Oh, man. I just want to go and start over and read it again. It was so good. So okay. Good. All right. Yeah. And what are you loving these days? What am I loving? Um, I'm loving just working at home. I, 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 this shutdown is not bad for me. I worked at home 15 years anyway. So, um, I should tell you what I'm not loving. I'm not loving, not seeing people. I love mm. to see people. I love to hug people. I'm a people's person, but I just love the fact that we have technology, we have zoom. So at least we can wave at each other and have fun. So that's what that's I'm right. Loving. Yeah. Well, this has been an incredible time with you today. I really appreciate it. If there was one thing that you would leave us with today, in order for us to bridge the racial divide that we see, what would you say? I'd say work towards unity. I love it that the Bible says unity is where God commands the blessing. So I make myself a committee of one. I am going to be an ambassador for unity. Every place I go, I want to show love. I want to receive love. I want to look for the good in others. So I'm just working towards unity. And that's what I'm praying for my country. God bless America.
Amen. Thank you so much, Deborah. Thank you, Red. Thank you for joining me for this conversation today with Deborah Pagay. I would love to know if you listened. So screenshot this episode, tag Deborah and me. I would love to give you a shout out over on Instagram. So until next time, remember, we are all friends of a feather, so let's stick together. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friend.